0: is the way that we fight if this is the way that we inspire uh, people to move forward and, and to come on board with us you know for the win then i'll be here so
1: my fellow
0: americans It is time to take our freedom back. Guys, doing another beautiful day. Yeah, another good day to be alive. It's warm out, and I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Started off the day cold, and I just never took it off. You know, but (laughs) too
1: busy to take it off. I've had to get that way. You know,
0: just get going. You know, it's fine. Sweat a little bit. We have a special guest here today, retired major Mister Will Oston, and I'm so excited. I've seen your name on emails and messages, and we've been in contact we've been working so closely over the last you know six months Damn and man. now i'm like dude we get to meet in person and i'm excited <laughs> yeah, to ask awesome. you to pick your brain and uh, to see what you've been doing and then how uh how what we've been doing kind of ties into that so yeah, absolutely so we're excited to have you thanks for coming
2: uh, thanks brother it's great to be here in person
0: good deal first time to the north state
2: no i've been here before but it's been years like yeah. pre-military so probably like 15 years ago okay
0: so, yeah, so well. where's home for you originally
2: I uh, grew up in Connecticut, right outside New York City. My dad was in Manhattan on 9/11. He worked there over 12 oh, wow. years. Okay, so don't hold it against me. I'm a Yankee Northern. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a, that's okay. We won't. Well, we're not sure what we are out here. We, you we know, welcome <laughs> all, <you> <laughs> all kinds
2: in Northern <laughs> California. Yeah, I, I live in I live in South Carolina now, and they can tell. I don't really have a strong New York accent, but they can tell I'm not from the South. They yank. and it, it instantly I can tell they're like, we don't. We're not sure about this guy. Isn't Where that funny? Where
0: are you from? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, they have a special code of how they know. Yeah. they just know. Yeah, you know. So tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for the viewers out there. Yep. Tell us uh, a little bit about your background, what you're doing now, what sure. you're going to be doing here in the future.
2: Yeah. So um, I'll talk about uh, why I joined and then Arc of Justice, if sure. that's okay. Absolutely. Um, so when 9-11 happened, I had just gotten married uh, in July of that year. And so everybody was telling me, don't join the wars because they'll be over with by the time you get through boot camp. Yeah. Because, you know, the Gulf War, which was over in a couple months, sure. that that was the template. So I ended up going to law school at Pepperdine in Malibu. And uh, it's a real crappy place. Yeah, somebody's got to suffer there (laughs) in law school. And of course, like the war is not over. 2003, we invade Iraq. And then uh, Pat Tillman was killed in action in 2004. And that that was the watershed moment for me because I was like, okay. I'm a young man, I'm here in Malibu, living the good life, have enjoyed all the blessings of liberty, and then this guy gave up a $3.2 million contract to join the Army Rangers for $20,000 a year. So I'm like, what am I doing? So I I was convicted... And I decided as soon as I graduated from law school, I'm going to join the army. And so that's what I did. So join the army, JAG Corps. I actually uh, did apply to the Marine Corps. I know you're a Marine Corps veteran, yeah. and they were like, "We don't have any slots." And I was like, "What?" Yeah. So I think yeah. I just couldn't do enough pull-ups or something. Sure. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I but I joined, and I only intended to serve for three years. But I loved being a soldier, sure. and. Uh, I didn't really care so much about getting into the courtroom. A lot of Army Jags joined because you get to become a federal prosecutor right away Mm -hmm. and throw you in instead of making you wait for five years. But I wanted to go to war. And so I did get to like within a year I was with 10th Mountain Division Light Infantry in Baghdad, served as an operational international law attorney there. Fast forward, I got selected to be a special forces JAG uh, in Kandahar, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and that's where I was exposed to something called an environmental toxin, and it triggered a really nasty autoimmune illness mm-hmm. that went undiagnosed for several years. So again, and I'm going over a lot of stuff here, but I want to talk about it no, in this, this is podcast. Good. So uh, in 2016, uh, I broke out four different times in like leprous skin lesions all over my body, some uh-huh. of the most sensitive places. So uh, the doctors originally thought I had AIDS because it was like that bad, looked that bad. I went to a specialist who had studied Middle Eastern born illnesses and he took one look at all the lesions and he said, you have Bichette's disease. I'd never heard of that. Um, So it's basically a blood based rheumatological disorder that causes like all kinds of just terrible, terrible symptoms. So I was supposed to deploy for a third time with um, 4th Infantry Division from Colorado, but instead the Army sent me to Walter Reed, uh, Fort Belvoir, Mm -hmm. like hospitals Mm -hmm. to get treatment. And that's where the ARCA justice story begins, gentlemen, because um, I went to uh, get treatment at Johns Hopkins as well, Mm -hmm. and a new bureaucratic agency had been created by Congress on January 1st, 2018 called Defense Health Agency. And I was diagnosed with Bischoff's disease on January 2nd of 2018.
0: I, I, let me ask yeah, yeah. One, one thing real quick before yeah, I yeah. forget. Is so it a disease that was pre-existing and was just sparked by something that happened in Afghanistan? Or no. something that you... That you
2: yeah, acquired. no, not at all. That's a great yeah, question. Yeah. So no, I was exposed to something in Afghanistan and mm-hmm. an environmental toxin that that gave that, me that, the that disease. So it. either like the burn pits there, sure, you know, or goat bad goat stew, yeah. you know, tea with the travel, sure. you know, whatever. They don't know. Sure. Um, but it wasn't pre existing. Yeah. Um, I was a very healthy military elite athlete before sure. that. So and uh all right, so met with this defense health agency bureaucrat, and I was supposed to get up to a year to get treatment and get healthy. And she kicked me out right away, started the process. So I went to meet with her. I'm like, hey, I'm a JAG attorney. Like I know I'm supposed to get up to a year. Sure. And uh, you know, so she looked at me and she's like, no, you've, you've had three years. I'm like, no, check it out in your system. So she did. And she goes, oh, you're right. You haven't had up to a year. I made a math mistake. So I'm like, great. Uh-huh. Then disenroll me. And this is exactly what she said. She said, I'm not going to do that. And I said, why? And she says, because I say so, you're just a number to me. And so what had happened is in the beginning of 2018 with Defense Health Agency taking Mm -hmm. this over, like all of us who had served since 9-11, there's less than one half, one percent of us who have fought the nation's wars because there's no draft. Mm -hmm. They tried to keep all of us in. But then in 2018, Secretary of Defense Mattis passed the Deployer Get Out policy. Mm -hmm. And that said, if you're not healthy with anything with up to a year to deploy. Which they've been trying to do that for
0: a long time. Trying to do it for a long time.
2: So I'm not going to get into like the veracity or the wisdom of that policy. Like I understand what they're doing. But they, Defense Health Agency weaponized it. So now, from like George Washington's Continental Army, seventeen seventy five until mm-hmm. two thousand eighteen, yeah. so two hundred forty five years of unbroken military tradition, mm-hmm. wounded warriors were managed by military commanders. Yeah. So then in twenty eighteen, now we have civilian bureaucrats from Defense Health Agency, mm-hmm. and so that I was the tip of the spear for that. They don't care about us, you know. Military commander, what does he do? He a good one cares about sure, his troopers, sure. you know. Defense Health Agency, medical bureaucrats, they don't give a damn about us. So I was kind of the tip of the spear for that. I fought for 20 months and lost my battle you know, to, to fight for that year to get healthy and stand mm-hmm. active duty. And so I just realized at the end of that, okay, if they're doing this to me as a Jack Corp major who would served as a general's aide for three different generals, graduated from a tier one law school and had a special ops background, what are they doing to the 19-year-old private? Sure. He has no hope. No so that's why I founded Arc of Justice as a nonprofit organization, Uh, So we launched on Veterans Day 2019, Uh, Shannon Bream, Fox News at night. uh, she allowed us to launch nationally on her show. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've represented 52 clients, all pro bono, who have gone through what I've gone through. And then we're also trying to pass something called the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights. Uh, So we're very close to that, House Resolution 6043. And my goal with that is if we can pass that, then it returns authority back to the military from Defense Health Agency and also builds in additional due process protections for the wounded warriors and then honestly, guys, so if that passes, hopefully by the end of this year, yeah. then I'm gonna shut down Arc of Justice or repurpose it. So it's like a mission complete campaign uh, plan and, that's it. and then do something else. Yeah, I'm, I don't wanna be around. Like success for me is shutting down Arc of Justice sure. and going away well, and doing fantastic. something else in my life. Yep. So,
0: so tell me a little bit about this when Warrior Bill of Rights, what's it encompass? What are we looking at here? What are we yeah, for
2: um, so there's, there's two prongs to it. I mean, it's five pages of legislation that quotes like past United States Code mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But when you strip it away, mm-hmm. It really just does two things, and it's like I talked about. It returns authority back to military commanders, so it strips Defense Health Agency. And I'm not even touching. So, guys, just so you know, like Defense Health Agency, it's a beast. It's a $50 billion annually budgeted bureaucracy with over 10,000 employees. (laughs) So they created— That never existed. That never existed before 2018. So Congress, like in the early 2010s, passed legislation in the National Defense Authorization Act creating DHA— and so now it's this new fifty billion dollar beast every year with a little ten thousand I mean employees.
0: and sold as something that's going to create a better service.
2: It, exactly, service yeah. so,
0: so nobody says no to that. Oh, that sounds great. That's to be better service. So, all better know? service yeah. for our veterans.
2: Sure, yeah. let's yep. do
1: that. Yeah, I mean, it's not. And,
2: that, and that's what it was. It, so I think, and part of the argument was, well, we don't want like military combat commanders in charge mm-hmm. of like our hospitals and military treatment facilities because mm-hmm. they don't know medicine. Well, they might not know medicine but I mean, they know people. leadership and yeah. people yeah you know so now we have like these uncaring medical bureaucrats in charge of us and they don't care sure. and they have all the power so i went all the way it up to like what you call your dollar.
3: insurance you yeah know. yeah <laughs> <laughs> do, do they, do they have any person. tie to the va or no
2: it? no tie to the va so this is like an active duty department of defense problem so this is like before we get to the va but all of the military service branches don't have any power over DHA because they have like a separate well, there used line to be of like authority. the warrior battalion, you know? In, in exactly, Corps, you know? Ex- exactly, yeah. yep. And so now like those WTBs, Warrior Transition mm-hmm. Battalions, all that yeah. stuff you're talking about, they don't have power. Like they still process the guys, mm-hmm. but it's the DHA bureaucrats making power. And so if a military commander has the authority to send their soldier or marine into harm's way where they can lose life, limb, or eyesight, mm. then they need to also manage them when they become a wounded warrior. Absolutely. You know, not, yeah. it's it's yeah. like a simple problem. So that's what we're trying to fix with the authority thing. And then also just build in additional due process protections because there's so many great leaders in the military, but you do occasionally get that like one bad leader, that toxic leader, yeah. you know. Mm. And so if a soldier, wounded warrior does get that person, then they still have additional due process protections. So sure um so yeah it's it's a great it's a great cause that's it's
0: a frustrating a, fight brother it you know, is I'm, I'm glad you're doing <laughs> yeah. it and, and it needs to be done yeah. but anytime you're dealing with that kind of bureaucracy and it feels like so insurmountable at the time because it, you're it dealing with like you said tens of thousands of people and you're dealing with uh billions of dollars
2: 50 billion dollars annually holy so where smokes. was that
1: i'm i'm wondering where that workload like if if you ramp up that big of a department. Where did that workload lie before that? Do you, on the, can on you the, talk on the, to that? On like, the military services. So, so they
2: were. They, so the 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 military services like had the programs, you know, like what he was talking about, the Warrior Transition Battalion, you know, it they already just like did it, you know, and then it all got taken away from them. So there was job loss on that side of things, too. It, it wasn't necessarily job loss. No, it was what, just what, take something off the plate of the active duty folks. What, what
0: they were doing is pulling it from different MOSs. you know. Yeah. So like I have a buddy who was a battalion commander with, with the Warrior Battalion on the East Coast, and then they have the West Coast Battalion as well, and you know, we've always said Marines take care of Marines, soldiers take care of soldiers, You know, exactly. and and so on and so forth, you know. I mean, who knows the system better? Who knows that person better? They've brought them up. They've raised them. They've taken care of them. They fought with them. It's so like you're saying, man, let, let's see them all the way through until they're out of the Marine Corps, and then hopefully after, or out of the service, right. you know. yeah. Um, and this is something that I know has been brought up over and over again over the years, you know, is how, how do we take this generation of warriors and make sure that not only are they transitioning into society, but that we're taking care of them once they're out there, you yep. know, and this service after the sale type of mentality. And I hope we can get there because we need it. Because I think we're going to end up with <clears throat> problems down the road, you know, that we're not seeing maybe right or that's we're starting right. to see right now, you know, because this, right. this is 20 years old now. Yep. You know, so now we're starting to see some of the problems that we thought would or might come to fruition, come to fruition. So
2: No, that's exactly right, brother. And so I, I say... The Arc of Justice mission, the Women Warrior Bill of Rights, is preventative medicine for veterans. So, like, we're trying to, like, give them the best chance to get whole and healthy in that year of transition before they go and become veterans Mm -hmm. and before they go back out into civilian life. So there's over 55,000 veterans and military-related nonprofits in America. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do actually makes their job easier if we're successful. Sure. So.
0: Yeah. And as we're talking about, so I think, a big thing for people that are listening out there. We've had this conversation over and over again, over beers, over coffee, over over things. Now I always say that the best thing that we can do for these veterans is to get them jobs. Yep. You know, when when they're going out in a society feeling like they're broken, believing that they're broken pieces of gear, yeah. they can't do anything anymore, I, I just want to collect the check. This is where we're starting to see the suicide rates rise. Right. This is where we're starting to see uh, depressions, where I see marriages break up. You know, and, and and it's it's horrible. You know, so if we can get to the point where we can say, look, you know just because you are you're, were you're a damaged piece of gear here doesn't mean that you're gonna come out damaged. And, and now not only that, but we believe in you so much that we're gonna get you to transition into a job that fits you, that you like, that you feel like you can actually support your family with, you know, feel confident about, you know? Yeah. Um, I know that's a whole different side of this this, this conversation, but it's always been something that I have to think about, where. Why don't we look for these young men and employ them? Because they're usually responsible, hardworking, mature, you know?
2: Yeah, no, I, and, I and couldn't women. agree more. Yeah, and I mean, you know, veterans, combat veterans especially, have, like, so much to contribute to civilian life. I mean, because of the leadership skills. If you can lead in combat, you can lead anywhere. If you can lead under the stress combat,
0: you or, can add or, a lot. Or, or follow in combat. That's know? right, I mean, that's even, right. Even if you're a young man, you know, who yeah. maybe didn't get a leadership a billet or, or or a choice. I mean, be able to go out there and say, "Look, I've been under instrumental stress. I've been yep. able to succeed. I've been able to make decisions and, and help the team." You yep. know, so
3: yeah, uh, I have a little brother that he's a he's he's high up in a in a corporation. They've got like eight hundred employees, you know, and yep. he's he's like the number three or four guy. And they send him to these leadership conferences, mm-hmm. these big high dollar, sure. fancy. And he always goes back to the fact that. I already knew all that stuff from being an NCO in right. the Marines, you know. Right.
1: <laughs> he really did. Yeah. He attributes
3: it's, it's it. It's true. Us. So. it
0: really is. You talk about leadership and you talk about servant leadership and that's something that we've gotten away from. And our government needs to realize again, you know, leadership is nothing if you're not serving the people that you're leading. Uh and, and I wish that there was a cultural change within our government because it and this has been our fight. I mean we're we're talking about why we're doing what we're doing is because we have leaders who forgot that they are servants to right. the people, yeah. uh, and, and it's got completely, uh, you know, turned upside down now. To so now, we get a phone number from you know some bureaucracy in the government, and, and we're shaking we're like, oh shoot, man, you know, like what's going to happen? Am I going to go to jail? Am I, you know, oh, yeah. who do I owe money to? You know, and, and it should never be that way. I think it right. needs to be a complete cultural change in this country, yep. and hopefully, this is what we're a part of. You know, it starts with things like what you're doing and what yeah. we're doing. So, yeah,
3: well, it's, will so so when you get when you complete this mission. What have you thought down the road? What what's what do you want to tackle next? Yeah, yeah.
2: what's next? So, um, you know, some people have encouraged me to uh, start doing some writing in defense of America's history because uh, you know there's a lot of people out there who just seem to like hate America in the last couple of years. You know, the 1619 project and some other oh, other yeah. garbage. Um, so I've started to like write some 1500 word like op eds. You know, um, and so some people have said, hey, why don't you transition Arc of Justice instead of Advocates for Wounded Warriors? You do the tagline, you know, like restoring America's promise or recovering America's dream or something like that. And then just start. Writing and speaking on the greatness of America. That's one of my favorite topics to speak about and going back to the history and wisdom of our founding fathers. I may do that, but honestly, like, I don't like the nonprofit world (laughs) very much. You know, like trying to raise money, I'm just like, it's it's tough asking people for money. I don't like it. So I have started an official uh, business, an LLC leadership consulting company uh, out of the state of Tennessee because we might end up moving there. Um, And I've got some great contacts there, but uh, it's called Deanne Keys Action Group. And I'll explain that in a minute. It. I've asked all like all my business advisors. Nobody knows who Deanna Keys is, mm-hmm. and so should I name it that or something like resilient leadership? I know who like, he is. He's you like know, no, you know who he is. No. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Right. So I, I do? do. Come on, do you, you do. Oh, you got it. it? It's, just, it's just it's the Greek name, so you're like, how do you even pronounce it? I read it for how long? that book. <laughs> it's, So it's actually ah, it's, in the shade, man. Are you
0: serious? Yeah. yeah. All right,
1: so yeah, come on, Woody. Don't steal my thunder, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Alright, so uh Deanna Deanna Keys. That was one of the best
0: ones Yeah, okay so He good. said yeah. Deanna Keys I was like Deanna, Deanna Keys so who, who's, so <laughs> who, who, who's Deanna Keys? Deanna. Yeah yeah, yeah I don't know Deanna What are you talking about, yeah. man? Well, huh. And why? Yeah.
2: Our, our Greek friends You know, they tell me Like it's pronounced Theanakis. You know, so it's like Actually T-H instead And spelled with a D But anyways You're gonna love this, man So the Greek historian Herodotus You know, we all know The Battle of 300 So when the Yep Gates of Fire, man. So when the uh, scouts went out uh, from the 300 and they came back, they said, hey, you guys got to retreat because the Persian archers are so numerous that their arrows are going to block out the sun. And so Theaniches was the one who said, good, then we'll fight in the shade. Yeah. So Herodotus says he's the bravest of the 300, even more so than Leonidas. You know, he records that. So I was like, all right, if I'm going to start a leadership consulting firm. I want to take on clients who feel overwhelmed, you know, whether it's in their business or I mean, that's why I took on RWB, you sure. know, because you guys were getting bullied sure. by the FPC and We're fighting Leonard in the shade, Mody. man. You're fighting <laughs> in the shade. And so so my you know, and I've got some very, very, you know, wealthy and successful guys advising me and they're like Keep the name. The name. Once they hear the story, the name says everything about what your leadership. So so, so
0: not Deanna Keys. No,
2: thank you. Got
0: it. (laughs) It (laughs) I'm looking at you like, dude. dude, What are you talking about, man? Like, you know? I'm like, I don't know, Deanna. Uh, No, No. that's that's, that's fantastic. No, there's no Deanna. I do want to touch on something for a second because you talked about this briefly about. This hatred of America in our history, yeah, yeah. you know, and why that's been propagated, why it continues to be propagated, not only in the media, and we can blame the media all we want, but now we just know who they are, you know, but yep. but in our schools, you know, right. from a time where kids are right. old enough to open a book, they're, they're right. being bombarded by this anti-American sentiment. Yeah. history is bad. You know, founding fathers are bad. Columbus is bad. Everybody's yeah. bad. Yep. So, number one, can we change that? And how, how, how do we change it, you know? I mean, is it something that we can actually change? And I think yes, I think we can. You know, I I think we start getting historians who who are writing true history, you Mm -hmm. know, and who are unapologetic about our history. Yep. You know, and I think that's really important too. I mean, there's, I've talked about, Howard's in before, and how I used to read a lot of Howard's. He, yeah, he's a, he's a communist, you know. So terrible, was, you know. But I was always fascinated with the way that he wrote and the way that he, you know, he, he approached. Yes, history. You know, he's actually, a
2: great storyteller. He is. You know, I actually yep. went
0: and saw him speak. You know, and no, I was not no young communist, or young socialist, you know. But but I was kind of fascinated with the guy. You know, yep. and I learned a lot about how I wanted to approach history based on what, what he was saying. Yeah, you know. Um, so you have these people that have sort of hijacked the curriculum in schools yep. and, and the entire educational system. How do we take that back? How do we say, hey, look, we're just as smart, just as articulate. Um, we, we can show you why the, these evils were necessary. No, yeah. no, we're not going to say no. That was never committed. Sure, but this is where we are now, and this is why we're here now because of things that happened. How, well, how do we?
3: And uh, and the whole point of you know, you can't apply modern day political correctness. To no. What was going on 300 years ago and when that's it was pretty normal cool thinking, across right? the world, you know yeah. what I
4: mean? Yeah, I mean, I'll throw my five cents in on sure. why I think the pendulum's going to swing the other way because, um, this leftist woke garbage um, has been has hijacked everything from art, music, the media, the entertainment you name it and and people naturally want to rebel against people that tell you how to think and how to live and every control every aspect of your life so it's just a a natural rebellion against this totalitarian crap that they're cramming down our throat everywhere you turn everywhere you go and that's why I think the pendulum is going to swing the other way
3: and I'm just a little bit older than you guys just old enough to remember uh, Jimmy Carter and when that four years I was a kid so he got elected when I was 10 years old and uh, it was funny because we took a, the teacher took like a little fake election in the class, yeah. you know, and I came home from there and I said, yeah, so the teacher told me about the candidates. So I voted for Jimmy Carter today and my dad's like, what? Yeah. but anyway so but anyway, those four that the 70s and then capping it off with Jimmy Carter, I, I was too young to really understand it until you contrasted it to when Ronald Reagan came in. Right. So that was my freshman year of high school. Within a year or two you saw people like getting patriotic again. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Feeling yeah. good. I mean, because Carter at the end there we they Iran had our hostages. He was just and the day Reagan down, was another came to
0: office. We'll
3: yeah. And Reagan really really plan. turned us around. and I think we're we're coming to a point where people are are really ready for something like that people are tired
4: of being told how to think and how to act and how to every aspect of your life. Like, I mean, you can't do anything. You have to think about what you say and how you say it. And I can't say this and I can't do this. And I can't, I mean, it's, it's insane. People are going to rebel against this, you know, one, you can see the crumbling of the, what the woke culture is doing.
1: I mean, you've probably read into some of the falls of civilizations when they get off track on the sexual mortality mm-hmm. or morality sure. piece, and then you, you now we're even confusing gender. It's like, well, we don't even stay on this earth if we're going to have two guys always together. Yeah. We still mm-hmm. we don't have babies that way. So people are just, I think, to to speak to what you're saying, you know. But it that's where the make or break also for American culture. Well, know, and they're asking us to believe history. They're asking to say, us to
3: believe make-believe stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. even more than two guys together, they're trying to tell us, you know, hey, there's seventy something
1: genders, and well, seventy and genders, and that a guy can have yeah. even have a child now. Yeah. So people are just really got their eyebrows up, and going, "No, like, wait, wait a second, you're the same it, person it lists, telling me it, I should in, think in, like in this." Of and the, it doesn't work. In
0: defense of the gay community, because it's a community that that I, I don't have a problem with at all. I have friends that are gay. I have friends who are very conservative, good, good, patriotic people that fought for this country who are. I wasn't pointing at you, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you know, who, who again are fantastic yeah. patriots, you know, so I'm not going to speak out against them because I love those people. Um, but we're dealing with something completely different now. We're talking about, you know, mutilating kids because they decided one day, Hey, I want to be a girl. I want to be a boy. I'm like, look, listen, and that's more. You make, make, a, make those kid. decisions when, when, you're, when you're older, make those kinds of choices when you're mature enough to make those kinds of decisions. But we have parents and what I call child abuse, you know, allowing their kids to do these kinds of things. that's, that's an issue. Well, in a state trying to
1: pull that decision.
0: And when they go parents. into school, and they're being taught these things. Absolutely. You well, get even the
3: homosexuality part—that doesn't—that shouldn't be being taught to kids as normal. That's up to the parents if they want to teach that. Schools should not be teaching that any of that sexuality stuff. Well, the thing, the thing is, you're
0: going to learn that in school anyway. I mean, every school has—I'm like, not going to name names—but we knew who the gay guy was in school, and it wasn't a problem. Like it was just like you—you you just know. So I don't think those are like, things that you learn in the classroom. You're going to learn them in school by being around other kids, and other exactly. people, anyway. Yeah. If, you know, school being a microcosm of society, you're going to—you're going to be exposed to those things on the playground, whether it's in the classroom or not. But I agree, it shouldn't be state sanctioned. It should be paid for to, well, to have that kind of education.
2: Yeah, and it should be the family deciding. You know, so the state has stepped into the arena of where the the family sphere of authority in a lot of things, and so that that goes to answering your question. You know, can can we return? And I and I think we absolutely can. And it's what Red, White, and Blueprint is doing. You know, number one, but then it's two. Like, what are our families doing? So like, so we homeschool our kids Mm -hmm. um, because I want to take personal responsibility for what my children learn. Now, I don't think everybody needs to, but even if you send your kids to public school. The parents are the main uh, authority for what the kids learn about America or sexuality or anything. Um, So I think parents need to take personal responsibility
0: for that. And this is what it comes down to, right? And and I've said this before, and we've talked about this: how if we're going to ask for less government, if we're going to ask for less influence from these bureaucracies, then we need to step up and do our part as parents, as families, as leaders in our community. You know, yeah, uh, churches. Churches. It, it's, it's, it's a two. Right. It's a two way street. Absolutely. Right. If churches were doing what they're supposed to be doing, uh, we, all we all wouldn't need, right? need absolutely. You know, I, I think that's that's. Yeah. It.
2: So there's a great story from from Revolutionary War era, um, and I was talking with Jeremy about this earlier today with like where the churches on all this stuff with what you're doing. And so... Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Black Robe Regiment. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely, we've talked about this. Yeah. yeah, so so for your listeners who don't know, so I mean, a bunch of the clergymen back then they all wore black robes. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with the, what ethnicity they were. They just wore black robes in the mm-hmm. pulpit. And John Peter Muhlenberg and a bunch of these other guys, you know, they would they would rip off their yeah. uh, black robes and have like a continental uniform on yeah. underneath. And then they would lead their church, you know, militia out mm-hmm. to fight the Redcoats. Yeah, and they would preach patriotic sermons. Sure. you know, they would really enter into this. Arena, and you know, so all of our our institutions of the family and the church have become subservient to the institution of the government, yeah. and it's not supposed to be that way. Sure, so no. it's, it's it's upside down on its head. Yeah. So if we can flip it, which is what you know, red, white, and blueprint is doing it, because of course our rights are not. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys know all this stuff, but our rights are not derived from the government. Our rights are derived from God. That's what the you know, Declaration of Independence says. Our unalienable rights—life, sure. you know, liberty, and happiness—that is from God. Mm-hmm. And then the government's duty is to protect those rights, not to give or take them away. Sure. Um, so, so we have it flipped on our head. But I just love what's going on, you know, here in Shasta County because you guys really are doing it. Um, so well, you're, well, thank you know, you. when you're saying, can it be done? You know, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you're doing it. Sure, sure. No, I appreciate
0: you saying that. Sometimes when we're in the middle, we've been entrenched in this battle for, what, 18 months now, you know, if not longer. And so it's hard to see the forest of the trees sometimes. Sure. Uh, and, And... to see that this is making an impact beyond where we're at, beyond Shasta County, it's pretty cool. Anytime that we get to talk to people from other counties, from other states, who say, hey, we like what you're doing, we, how do we do the same thing? You know, that that's empowering. That's inspiring for us because um, this is a tough fight, man. I mean, this is a tough, tough deal, you know? Absolutely. And, and, you're up against a real dragon every yep. single day i mean you're, you're trying to slay dragons every day you know yep. and you slay one another one comes up you know it's whack-a-mole <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know over and over again <laughs> it really is you know um or you but, let them but, just but to do their see, thing and they implode sure well, like, well, they, they, they do the they do a pretty good for him, they do know. a pretty good job of <laughs> destroying themselves but to see what you're doing is really refreshing i mean this is awesome stuff because that is a population the veteran population is, you know, a population that we have a history of uh, heroizing, if that's a word, but we also have a history of ignoring them as well. You know, because right. I think sometimes veterans are seen as heroes. We figure, oh, well, they can take care of themselves. Right? You know, they're these superheroes that, that that have no 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 faults, that have no uh, no obstacles to overcome on their own personally. You know, but but indeed they do. You know. Yeah.
2: No, that's a great point. And I'll make a confession here. Even when I was really young and my dad, like I said, was working in New York City and I would go in there at, you know, age 15, 16, and I would see like all these homeless veterans and I judged them yeah. you know, as a young man. I'd be yeah. like, Well, you were in the military, like pull yeah. yourself up yeah. by your bootstraps, sure. you know. But now that I'm like on the other side of it and I'm a disabled veteran mm-hmm. and like being mistreated and then I'm like not healthy enough to consistently work, you know, I go sure. when I can sure. making twenty thousand dollars a year off of sure. VA pension. It's not sure. enough to raise a family of four, yeah. not VA pension, VA disability sure. payments. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Okay, I understand why those guys mm-hmm. can end up on the street. You yeah. know, like we need to do better for them. Um. So you're exactly right. So, like I said, arc of justice, preventative medicine. You know, trying to like alleviate the 22 per day of suicides and the homeless veterans epidemic. Um. And we are. I know we're almost out of time here. So we are very close. So can I just say two things that we
0: need help? Yeah. With? No. We can go over. I mean, this okay. is stuff. Go ahead.
2: Um. So our wounded warrior bill of rights is like on the one-yard line. That's Mm -hmm. the analogy I've been using. House Resolution 6043, you can follow it on Mm -hmm. congress.gov, HR6043. I would just ask that your listeners would contact their congressmen and senators, and it takes like two minutes. Just Mm -hmm. Google them and say, I support the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights. I want you to become a co-sponsor, and I'm hoping for like a groundswell movement so we get no friction.
3: HR6043? Yes. Can you hear that, Doug LaMalfa? Yep. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is we're tax deductible right off to, you know, organizations. So if you want to make a donation, every little bit helps so I can hire some other staffers to really Absolutely. push this across the finish line.
1: And when's uh re- refresh my memory? When's that being voted on? So
2: it will be probably most likely decided like sometime before the Fourth of July, like okay. the House and the Senate have what's called their like initial wish list. Mm -hmm. Um, And Senator Rick Scott from Florida, Congressman Brian Mass from Florida, Congresswoman Kathy McGorris Rogers from Washington, they are our co-sponsors. And so if we can get it into the first draft of the National Defense Authorization Act before July 4th, will be sitting pretty. It can still happen right up till the end of this year because mm-hmm. NDAA is never done until like right before Christmas. Yeah. But it's harder to get it in as an amendment after July 4th than into like the initial. The initial. So yeah. like it's like go time right now. And so <laughs> that
1: process is the the voting on a bunch of stuff for national it, it, defense. It, it, it's it, everything.
2: Exactly. So it's, it's like called like a members interest list that actually starts on August or excuse me, April 8th up until the 4th of July. And then if they all agree, like, okay, this is in the NDAA, mm-hmm. then it's in the omnibus bill and it's hard to take it out. But after July 4th, it's almost impossible to. So get out. So if added. you have more
1: like endorsements from do you uh, need more congressmen? We
2: we do like the more the merrier, because yeah. then it's like hard to fight it. Is there right.
1: bipartisan support for this? Or so
2: so it was bipartisan, like back in 2020, yeah. I had passed a precursor legislation. Mm-hmm. Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii yeah. was our Democrat. We had a couple other Democrats, sure. but unfortunately, since July 6th, or not July 6th, well, January out. six, it's Tulsi's a, yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and since January 6th, like Democrats and Republicans do not play well in the sandbox yeah. together. Yeah. Now, Democrats <clears throat> support this philosophically, yeah. but Brian Mast is a wounded warrior. Uh, he's also like a flamethrower. Like he's mm-hmm. always like saying mm-hmm. stuff I about mean, Pelosi, yeah. tweeting. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's fine. You, know, you can do yeah. that. But then that does hurt us because then Democrats don't want to play sure. nice, you know. Yeah. So, But I'm hoping all it takes is one on the House Armed Services Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee, one Democrat on each. And if they just become a co-sponsor. Then we can get it through. Now, if it doesn't this year, then we'll just go to next year. Adults I, I, I feel going. like
0: Tulsi would be a great ally, even out of Congress. Yeah.
2: Know? So, so actually, I'm I'm writing a book. We'll probably talk in the next podcast sure. about the book I'm writing for RWB. So I'm writing like a little mini memoir, call to action for mm-hmm. Arc Justice. and putting that to the side sure. to do RWB's book, but I've asked her to write the forward to, yeah. to my book because she's just been a huge part she's of our story. She's I fantastic. Like, you know, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She hasn't said yes yet, but Tulsi, if
0: you're listening. Come on.
2: Just say yes. <laughs> I will I, I, I,
0: I will admit I almost registered as a Democrat just so I could vote for her. I, I, I like her that much. Yeah,
2: she, she's great. Yeah. Um, and I have – a like real quick, I have a great story about her. And so um, I needed Democrat support back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get any. So I went to her office several times. She's running for president. Super busy. So providentially, I'm on a plane from D.C. back to South Carolina where I live because mm-hmm. she was going for the South Carolina Democratic primaries. Sure. On the same plane, it gets in at midnight. Yeah. So she's got like, you know, some people protecting her. I'm like, this is my one chance. So I hide behind yep. like yeah. a baggage thing and let everybody <laughs> else clear out. I walk, use her School training, get in their blind spots, yeah. walk right up yeah. to her. Yeah. Guys, she gives me 10 minutes of her time. Yeah. She listens. And then to make a long story short, she becomes a co sponsor for our fantastic. initial legislation and,
0: cool. and lets awesome. me shoot a video with her. That's cool. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's awesome. It's yeah, great. great. She's great American. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's very cool.
0: Well, guys, thank you.
4: Thank you, Will. Good Thank stuff you. before the next oh, segment. Make sure to go to Apple, Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble. Um, Rumble. Rumble. Uh Mountaintopmedia.com is the mothership. It's got everything there. Make sure you share it. Um, anyways, just thanks for listening. And a lot of good stuff. Heck yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Will. you, brother. Yeah. Yep.
1: Good to be here.